I'm Mary Byers, and this is Successful Associations Today. My guests are Thomas Altman and Dre McFarlane, co-founders of Tazio, an organization dedicated to using cutting-edge AI in the association arena. And I'm so excited to speak to them because in my forthcoming 10th anniversary book of Race for Relevance, we talk a lot about technology and AI and how it has the ability to transform an association's future. As I mentioned, the organization uses cutting edge AI to predict who will renew and who will not. This almost sounds too good to be true. Dre, can you explain as simply as possible for a non-techie like me how this works? Absolutely. Uh, really, the best part about talking about this type of thing right now, uh, as opposed to five, 10 years ago, is that we're all surrounded by this technology. Uh, you see extremely powerful examples of this, um, sometimes almost magical applications of it. When you get targeted ads on Facebook, when you get suggested purchases on Amazon, recommended shows and movies on Netflix, or even simple versions like predictive text on your phone. Uh, we don't actually have to create anything new because all this already exists. We're just taking that to predict who's going to renew and not uh, by applying those exact tools to associations. Uh, really the work that we're doing at Tassio is taking those existing tools and we're targeting the challenges that associations face and leveraging the data that associations collect. So how does that work realistically? You've got existing data, and as you work your magic with this data, is it using machine learning to actually make predictions, or do you have some best practices that you bring into the, the space that will help you make those predictions, or is it a combination of the two? It's absolutely a combination. Um, I think one of the reasons you don't see this that often with associations so far is because of a lack of expertise across both areas. So you have to have the best practices about how to apply this, the data science background, all that technical stuff that we don't need to get into, uh, but also that knowledge about how associations work and what's important, where you can get information from, what are some of the relevant data sources. I mean, every association has their AMS, but also there's community sites, there's email marketing tools, there's third-party tools that collect a lot of information that we can leverage and help make, make these predictions. And I understand that the two of you have taken your association background and your data science expertise and, and, and combined it actually in the creation of this, this, uh, this product, this software, and this organization. So Thomas, my understanding is that the technology allows associations to create effective and low cost member engagement strategies. Would you give us an example of what this looks like for an association? Because I know anybody that's concerned about boosting membership, growing membership, or who actively works in the membership recruitment space is gonna be interested. Yes, absolutely. So the way this whole works is anytime a member or non-member on their way to becoming a member interacts with your organization, they'll leave little uh, bits of data, they'll leave a trail that kind of over time uh, form a pattern. And a lot of those patterns are similar to other people that have interacted before those. And what we're able to do using some of our machine learning techniques is uncover those patterns and look at what the like, most likely next step that a person's gonna take or suggest ways that your organization can interact with that person in a way to get them to, you know, engage in the, the way that you know they should to benefit them through, through your organization. Um, so an example of this might be, 
as somebody is, we'll use retention as an example. So let's say you've had an active member, they've served on committees, they've attended events, they've logged in to the website to you know, read through protected content, newsletters, those sorts of things. If you see kind of a sudden drop off in any of those things, logins, uh, they didn't attend the event this year, um, they stopped you know, reading the newsletters and opening them, clicking on events. When you see that kind of change in behavior, that change in pattern, what we can then do is say, hey, this person is flashing a bright red light saying, I'm losing engagement. Look at me, look at what I'm interested in, reach out to me and help me stay engaged in this because they can still get value out of your organization. You just might've let them fly under the radar. They've been telling you, you just weren't listening. Our software and our processes help you listen to them better and know without actually having to put in a lot of the time, effort and manpower to kind of talk to everyone one-on-one. We kind of prioritize that list for you. So essentially you're automating this process and and creating lists and uh, kind of raising a red flag for staff that that somebody has lost interest, they're maybe not participating as much so that rather than waiting until renewal time, they can reach out prior. Is that correct? That's absolutely right. And what we like to do is try and go a level deeper than that as well and suggest, you know, methods and content to reach out to them. So if they've demonstrated, you know, an interest in some aspect, maybe they took some CLE, some continuing education classes, and you're offering one coming up that they might not be aware of, you can reach out for them. You know, we can find those patterns. Uh, Likewise, if they don't tend to respond to email, but they tend to respond to SMS or maybe a glossy newsletter, we can help you identify who those people are so you don't send everybody a glossy newsletter, which can be expensive, you target only those people that would respond to that particular method. So we kind of try and map strategy to those flashing red flags as well. So let's go a little deeper on this, Dre. I know that uh, this aspect of what you provide includes a dashboard of churn indicators. Um, I I think Thomas has already given us an idea of what those churn uh, indicators are. But uh, talk a little bit more specifically about that, how it's helpful to an association, and then having those churn indicators, how they can actually help boost renewals. Sure. And those churn indicators are exactly what Thomas was talking about. Those flags are the indicators that someone might not renew. So you have all those things that people do typically and then renew, all those things that they might have stopped doing or other actions they might have taken that tells us that they're probably not going to renew. Uh, Where these dashboards and where these predictions really help in saying, this person is not likely to renew for this reason, allows associations to focus. Um, Really, that's what all of this comes down to is what is your next step going to be once you have this information? How are you going to act on it? Um, It can be things like, you know, most associations probably leverage discounts to help increase membership renewals or increase attendance at events. Uh, We could help tell you that maybe you don't need to discount it for everyone. Maybe for this 15%, you discount them. Uh, for renewal campaigns, you know, you might actually have people picking up phones and calling. Like Thomas said, some people don't want to receive a phone call. Uh, they may not have actually flagged that in their profile if that's something you can track. But based on their actions, we can tell you that that's probably not going to work or that's going to be extremely effective. Uh, all of these things just are, are ways to make sure that association staff who have plenty of other things they could be doing and plenty of things they could be working on at any given time aren't doing the things that are going to be wasting time. Um, that might even come down to if you have someone who has given all the indicators that say they're not going to renew, they're just flat out not going to renew, maybe that's not someone you pursue right now. Uh, maybe try again in a couple of years, but right now may not be the time. 
One of the things I like about this is it helps automate and systematize uh, membership retention, uh, uh, the process of membership retention. Retention, And as you mentioned, um, Dre, you can free up staff to be doing other things. And that's one thing that I'm very interested in as well, too, is where can we get leverage and momentum and where can we get the greatest return on investment for staff time? And if they are spending time doing things they don't need to do or spending times that aren't, you know, providing results, it just really doesn't make sense. So not only is this about boosting uh, renewal and retention and boosting revenue, but it's also about increasing efficiencies um, in some way. And, and I like that as well too. Uh, Thomas, one of your themes is that one size fits one. And I love this play on words. Is it really possible though, to tailor member engagement for every member in your organization? I, I think there may be some who are listening who might be a little bit skeptical about that, although you've already really uh, kind of touched on that, uh, you know, that idea that as you're watching for churn indicators, you can go in and, and take a look at individual records once somebody shows up on that list. That's absolutely right. And every every member or non-member interacting with your organization interacts in their own unique way. And through those interactions, um, and we kind of went through some of the processes, but they'll leave a little bit of data along the way. And over time, what you can do is you see this unique path for each individual member evolve, where they do things in a sequence. And what you can see revealed from that is what's important to that member, what motivates them to interact with your organization, what might be demotivating for them. And you can tailor specific outreach strategies. You can craft new, unique ways of interacting with them and automate the creation of those based on what they reveal is important to them and target them with the language that matters to them, with the things that matter to them, and through the methods that, that are effective that they actually want to receive, right? So it's not only, not only possible, but it's actually, I think, very important to spend the time sort of automating that process because an individual human doesn't matter how big your member retention team is to go through that and, and know everybody one-on-one -on -one is going to be really expensive and time consuming. And what we try to do through these member paths is help you target those people that need to be targeted right now with the information content and outreach that they need in the moment. And you'll know what those are. So if I'm on a, a, a membership staff or a membership department, membership team, whatever, I'm listening to this and I'm thinking this is an answer to my prayers. However, I can also see that it might be a little intimidating. So uh, uh, I'm going to ask one of you to speak to the intimidation factor. I'm going to ask the other to you to speak to this whole idea of uh, well, we have, you know, we need a sophisticated data strategy to be able to do this, and we just don't have one. So let's start with the intimidation factor. Which of you would like to take that? Thomas, go yeah, ahead. I can take that. So I think to me that all comes down to the the user interface or the the screen that you're looking at, right? So we are designing this in a way that the user does not need to know about all the sophisticated machine learning. AI algorithms in the background, what they need to be presented with is the next most important thing to do. So we're designing the interface the way that our users interact with this in a way that really all they see is this is the person, this is the thing, this is why. So they, the human stays in the loop, they can make a decision. You know, they don't have to do what we tell them to do. They can, you know, turn it down. 
but they can always see the next most important thing to do, arrange their work in that way and be more effective in their outreach at the moment. So a lot of the, the scary stuff, the, the data, the algorithms, all that stuff is hidden from the end user. And really what they're presented with is a nice, neat, organized way of knowing what to do next, decision support. So it really is magic that just sort of happens in the background and, and then and, I just yeah. have to show up and take advantage of it, right? Exactly. There's a great quote, quote that I like that any good software is uh, sufficiently indistinguishable from magic. So that's it is not <laughs> actually magic, but if it feels like magic, it means we're doing our job. Well, and that's my kind of software. I don't, I don't necessarily need to understand how it works. I just want it to work. Um, Dre, why don't you talk about the whole, this whole false assumption that my association needs to have a sophisticated data strategy, or we have to have been mining our data for a long time to be able to take advantage of this? Well, I really appreciate that you already started with declaring that as false because it absolutely is. Uh, you can do a lot with the very little data. Um, there's there's so much you can do with very little information just because um, most associations, if you have members becoming members, at the very least you have some financial transactions, you might have a little bit of demographics. Um, everyone has issues with duplicates. Everyone has issues with profiles that aren't being updated regularly. Um, but over the aggregate of your data, you're going to have some good information in there that's buried. Uh, a lot of the things that we've been talking about, uh, we talk about a lot of these cases where we're giving you examples to help understand and we're talking through things that you may even say, well, yeah, I, I probably could have guessed this. But what I love is even when you get into really messy data, in fact, the messier data, the more this helps, um, these techniques will start to reveal things that you would not have guessed, um, especially if you can't really look at your data and just interpret it at a glance because you don't have a data strategy, these things will help. Um, and like Thomas said, it's a bit magical. Some of the more advanced techniques you're basically throwing this data into a black box. It does its thing and spits out results. And that's always fun for me to see. Um, but there's also some simple ones where you can put all your data into a spreadsheet. And we can show you some pretty simple techniques that get you an introduction, dip your toe in the water, show that the results are pretty easy to use and work with. So what I'm hearing you say is that rather than waiting until everything is in good shape, just start. You've got to start somewhere and you don't worry about yesterday. You start today and you move forward, looking forward, uh, and that'll help the organization. Um, Dre, the, the concept of member journey uh, shows up on your website. How does this help associations gain clarity around possible engagement or retention activities? And, you know, member journey is something that we're, we're starting to hear more and more about. I'm seeing more associations use it. But, but how does it help give associations clarity, especially if you're a, a association that has a lot of different member segments, a lot of different people, and there's maybe more differences between members than there is similarities? Yeah, so this is a very complicated area potentially, but um, the idea of the member journey is really what we've been talking about this whole time. So Thomas has used the term, people are on a path. And as they go on that path, they're leaving little elements of data, these crumbs that you can follow. And what we can do is take that together and aggregate it to say, all right, when someone is at this point in their member life cycle, um, they potentially are going to branch into these five different things, 15 different things, 50 different things. Um, depending how they branch from there, they branch again, they branch again, and you get this web. The member journey ends up being a, a pretty complicated thing to look at, but it's actually a very pretty picture for the times that we put it together. Um, but what it gives you is the most desirable path for a positive outcome. So you can say, all right, if they're at this stage, you know, they just became a member, 
Um, maybe the next thing they do is register for a class. They might register for an annual event. Um, maybe they go to the community website. Um, of those three things, I can tell you if they go to the community website, they are 50% likely to renew their membership. So I can follow that path of membership to say, all right, based on where they are, here's what their next decision is likely to lead to. Uh, that lets you, again, go back to focus. So if you see that people going to your community website are having a much bigger impact than any of your other content, maybe that's where you focus. You spend some time making sure that it's very easy to log in, make sure your single sign-on is very smooth and easy to use, uh, make sure that the first content they see there is very inviting, encourages participation. Uh, those things can make a big difference if that's what's really important to your membership. So it's kind of interesting for me to be thinking about how this ties into member value, because if my association can predict what's important to me and they can react accordingly and they can help deliver things that are important to me and kind of forget the things that aren't important to me, they can actually deliver a more customized experience. And that in and of itself is going to increase my satisfaction as a member. And again, then my ability to renew, but I kind of like the idea that I don't have to deal with everything my association is, is giving me, just the stuff I really care about. So, you know, I can see some, not only the retention aspect of it, but enhancing um, member value. Um, Thomas, as, as we get ready to wrap up here, do you have a case study or two that you can share of an association that has used this whole concept of predictive AI successfully? Yeah, so I can think of a couple that I think are relevant here. Um, the first is we did work with an organization that was very actively using email marketing for their newsletters, outreach, and things like that, but they didn't know what the return on that was. They were very skeptical, actually, that they were getting any return from that because they didn't know. And what we helped them do is we looked in and we were able to sort of take all that data and map it to you know, uh, engagement data, so purchases from an e-commerce store, um, doing continuing education, attending events. And what we were able to do is break down by the type of member. So they have a very, this group, this organization had a, uh, a tiered structure. And depending on their type of member and the type of specialty that they had to declare, we could see interacting with certain newsletters was predictive of spend in the future, attendance of certain events and uh, renewal eventually, right? So what we help them do is tailor strategies based on what right now the newsletters they're clicking on, what do you want to outreach out to them to get them to do later on? Like they're going to be more likely to attend an event if you reach out to them, that sort of a thing. Um, so we help them kind of craft those strategies and execute them. Uh, another thing that we help do that, I, that has been really interesting is sort of the reverse of that is we looked at an organization, took their full AMS data, looked at interactions through their e-commerce site, through their uh, members only portal, um, every type of touch points and contact that they had and help them predict who was going to renew, who wasn't, and then bucketed those groups into, you know, tiers of 10. So you had the top 10% of people that were just most likely not to renew and down to the top 10% that were least likely. And what was interesting out of that study is you would think that you'd want to target just the 10% that are most likely not to renew but it was really around the 50% mark where you've got the most bang for your buck of outreach, right? A lot of the times the 10% of people that were not gonna renew, it was for a reason that you had no control over. But around like the, between the 40 and 60% mark, that four, five and six bucket, those were the people where if you reached out to them, you kind of knocked them off the fence in the direction of renewal, right? And you had a lot more impact there. So we helped them tailor strategies around making sure their outreach was 
most effectively targeted at the people that would respond to it. So this goes back to return on investment. Where are you going to spend your time, your energy, and your money to get the biggest bang for your buck? And when you do, the association as a whole benefits. But more importantly, I think the member benefits. So this is a really powerful powerful tool, I believe, for associations going forward. Uh, and, And I'd like to thank the two of you for making this approachable. Um, I'm not in the membership department, but you're making me wish I was. So I I appreciate that uh, as, as we wrap up today. I'm Mary Byers, and this is Successful Associations Today. 